0: ...as we're doing this series, F64, looking at some of the hardest barers in the scriptures... ...and this week we're looking at Ezekiel, and as I started to read Ezekiel, oh my gosh, I got so pumped up... ...I got so unbelievably excited, like, I'm not even lying, I was sitting here at the... ...well, standing outside, doing the coffees and stuff, and there comes this period where, coming up to like 10 o'clock, he goes dead... And there's nothing to do. So I kind of had my phone resting on the top, reading my Bible to get myself ready because I didn't have that much time this week. So as I was reading it, I literally thought, where do I start with Ezekiel? I know, I'm going to start right at the beginning. So I read this first verse. And the first verse of Ezekiel chapter 1 says this. In the 30th year, in the 4th month, on the 5th day of the month, as I was among the exiles by the Cheba Canal... The heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. When I read that, I got so gassed, I locked my phone, I put it back down and I was done for the day. I didn't read any more of Ezekiel, I didn't look at anything else. The reason I was so unbelievably gassed about this verse is if you were here for our series where we looked at lamentations about the suffering, the pain and the hardship they went through in the Babylonian exile you would know that this verse is just unflipping believable. In Lamentations, we read of women who, sorry guys, to scare you, had eaten their children. They were that desperate for food. That is how bad their society had got that that would happen. And for all of us here, it's unfathomable that anyone, although they are edibly so cute that you go, and want to eat them, but you don't really actually want to eat them. If you do, you should be locked away. <laughs> But, but look at that cute face. Look at it. Look at it. It's so cute. Yeah, he's smiling. That's cool. He's taking it the right way. I don't actually want to eat you. It's okay. You will live today. So, in Ezekiel, this passage, you've got him speaking at a time that is so dark in their history. Years and years of no hope. For them, they had this understanding of, of, of hell, of being this separation from God, a place they called... Um, well, a place called Gehenna, Jesus calls in the New Testament. But for them, this separation from God was as if they were done and they were finished, they were cut off for him. And what Ezekiel is saying is, he's saying in the midst of this, in this dark place of no hope, in this dark place, a dead end, finished, cut off, he said in that place, the heavens opened. The heavens opened and he saw a vision of God. What that kind of means for us And why that is so unbelievably fantastic and why that is good news, why that is great news is because I don't know about you, but there have been times where I've gone through huge periods in my life where it's felt tough, it's felt hard, it's felt like there's no hope, it feels like a dead end, and Ezekiel can have a moment in the midst ...of the greatest suffering Israel has ever known... ...the heavens can open and he can have a vision. And in the scriptures it says that without vision the people perish. And so when Ezekiel starts to have this vision... ...it's like God saying, I'm not done with you. I've still got something to say to you. I've still got something for you to hear. I've still got something for you to live out. I've still got something to speak into your lives... ...to bring out new life, new hope... ...into your civilization, into your country, into your people. And so when Ezekiel starts off this book... With this one verse, forgetting even getting to anything he says, just as he sets the context as he writes this, as it's penned, he's saying no matter how dark it gets, no matter how bleak it gets, there's always an opportunity for the heavens to open above you and for you to see God in your situation and for God to speak new life and God to speak um, life into any situation we face. Now, in chapter 1, for the rest of the chapter... I'm not going to focus on any of it. I'm going to skip it completely just because it's nuts. It's like animals, strange heads, a chariot. I don't know what any of that means. So I'm just keeping it real today. Like hip-hop, you keep it real, F64. I don't know what that's about. I'm, I'm moving past it. All I know is at the end of it, he says like, wow, that was the glory of God. So God's glory was in it. He encountered God's glory. And that's an amazing thing. And at the end of that, such was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord And when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard the voice of one speaking. So he speaks about glory at the end. The last verse in chapter um, 1, verse 28, I read half of it. The glory of God is there. He falls face down. The reason for that is the Hebrew understanding of glory is weight. It's the weight of God. So the weight, there's this weight that he feels that pushes him to the floor face down. He's feeling this kind of weight, even though nothing's changed in the air, in the atmosphere. Nothing's changed in this dimension. In another dimension that we can't measure... It has forced him to the ground. And then he said to me, verse 1 of chapter 2, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. That's a big problem for Ezekiel um, because there's no way he can stand. And as he spoke to me, the Spirit entered into me and set me on my feet and I heard him speaking to me. Wow. Game changer. Absolute game changer. So here in this passage, God is in such... Uh, his presence is there in such a way, he's face down, he's stuck in the ground, he can't stand up, God says stand up, I need to talk to you and there's no way he can do that. The spirit of God enters in and lifts him up. Here's the thing, if God has a plan for your life, if God wants to do something in your life, even if it's physically impossible for you to do it, his spirit's going to enter in, he's going to stand you up. Even if in your school, in your situation, in your work, in your business, he's, if he's speaking something to you, that you can't do, don't worry about it. His spirit's going to work through you and do it and he's going to achieve it anyway. And so he says, son of man, stand on your feet. I will speak to you. And the, he spoke to me. The spirit entered into me, set me on my feet. And I heard him speaking to me. And he said to me, son of man, I send you to peop- the people of Israel, to nations of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. The descendants are so impudent. love that word. And stubborn. I will send you to them, and you shall say to them, Thus says the Lord the God, the Lord God. And whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house, they will know that a prophet is being among them. He says, I'm going to send you, and you're going to stand out, and you're going to be different. And you know what? Some of them are going to hear, some of them are going to refuse. But you know what? That's not what matters. What matters is that they know that a prophet is being among them. And you know what? That is exactly what it is like today. And that is exactly what God calls us to be today. It's not whether you tell people um, and you're open about your faith. It's not about bashing people over the head. It's not about being crazy. But you've got to speak. I've got to speak. We've got to speak. What God gives us to speak to people. If they hear, they hear. If they don't hear, they don't hear. But that's not the point. The point is that it's spoken. The point is that they know there's a prophet among them. There's a point is that someone is speaking hope into a situation that is a lost cause. Thus says the Lord God, and whether they refuse to hear or not, they will know a prophet is being among them. And you, son of man, be not afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house, and you shall speak my word to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear, for they are a rebellious house. This really spoke to me and I felt so guilty. Last week, I was kind of at this um, kind of uh, function thing and um, I was chatting with a few different people and there was someone there who was really just gunning about politics and education and so I decided to chip in um, my few pence worth and this person found what I said intriguing and they liked what I said. And because they liked what I said, they then wanted to know what I did. And when they wanted to know what I did... I knew in the environment I was in, this was going to be a problem. And so at first I was like, ah, oh, you know what, I've kind of i done youth work most of my life. But actually, I thought, no, nah, man, I, I know I, I do actually feel afraid. And I don't want to bring this up because I know what this is going to do to me. This is not where I want to be right now. I was like, yeah, you know what, I pastor. I pastor at church. And then this is what the person said to me. And I just kind of took it because compared to other things that have been said to me, it's not that bad. But it tells us, behind the scenes, how people see anyone who is of faith in our society at the moment. She said this to me. She said, oh no, don't worry dear, I have a friend who's a Christian. If you take that back to a different context, you could say this, oh don't worry dear, I have a friend who's black. You could take it to another context, oh don't worry dear, I have a friend who's gay. I'm not against black people, I've got a friend who's black. I'm not against gays, I've got a friend who's gay. And she felt the need when I said, I'm a pastor. (gasps) Oh, don't worry, don't worry. Don't worry yourself, darling. I know another one. (laughs) The shift in our society towards how people see Christians now is huge. For another example, a friend of mine didn't understand this. And I don't know how he'd been oblivious to this because he works with Christians in universities all around the country. But literally they posted an article responding to, um... oh, his name has left, oh dear, sorry. His name has left my brain. Who's that guy? Stephen Fry, Stephen Fry. You know that big interview he did about God and going mental at him and stuff like that on, in an interview in Ireland? Well, a friend of mine posted a Christian response to that in their university group, and obviously some of the university students had shared that, and they'd shared it around, but you could tell the tone of people who kind of maybe don't necessarily kind of dig church, don't really dig the Christian faith. What they'd said when they saw this post was there was such abusive language there. I couldn't actually give a single example on this recording because we have three children here today that do not need to hear the things that were written on this post. And so we find ourselves in a context that's similar to Ezekiel. And God knew Ezekiel, and God could see an issue that Ezekiel would face. And one of the issues he would face was that he would be afraid. And he wanted him to know that don't be afraid, though briars and thorns are with you, and you sit on scorpions, be not afraid of their words, nor dismayed by their looks, for they are a rebellious house, and you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse. Oh my days, it's like the female equivalent of Tupac Shakur. Look at that. Wow, we're doing a hip-hop series and you came with the bandana. You brawled it. And you shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or refuse to hear for their rebellious house. But you, son of man, hear what I'm saying to you. Be not rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. And behold, when I looked, a hand stretched out to me and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. And he spread it before me and it had writing on the front and on the back. And there were written on it words of lamentation and mourning and woe. And he said to me, son of man, eat whatever you find here. Eat this scroll and go speak to the house of Israel. I opened my mouth and he gave me this scroll to eat. And he said to me, son of man, feed your belly with this scroll that I give you. And you will fill, hey, you right? you will fill your stomach with it. Then I ate and it was in my mouth as sweet as honey. So he says that it's all about mourning, it's all about lamentation, it's all about woe, it's all about hardship, it's all about pain. Yet as he sees that's what the words are, when he tastes it, he realises what it says and what it tastes like are different. And the reason for that is because sometimes when we see the correction that we need to know about ourselves and to know about our junk and the hope going forward is we have to encounter a time of lamentation. We have to encounter a time of mourning. We have to encounter a time of woe to move on to a new place, to transition to a new area of life. And so in this passage, he's saying, I took a hold of God's word for me, and on the outside, it looked like it was mourning, it was woe, it was suffering, but as I ate it, it was sweet like honey. It was sweet like strawberry hot milkshake, I might add. Marketing, yeah. sweet as honey. And he said to me, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you are not sent to a people of foreign speech and hard language, but to the house of Israel. So not to many people. of, of French, blah, 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 blah. Surely if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you for they are not willing to listen to me because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. That's a bar. I don't care. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces, and your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like emery, harder than flint, I have made you. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. He keeps on saying the same thing again and again to them. The reason he's saying it, repeating the same statement to Ezekiel, is he's like, Ezekiel. You really need to, I I know you've encountered my glory, I know you've encountered my vision, and when you encounter God's vision and his glory, you think everything's going to be amazing, and everyone's going to be like, wow, this is great, I want to be involved in this. But he's like going, you need to understand the, the, the context of this. You need to understand how it is. You need to understand what's going on. Because there's a rebellious people here and they're not going to want to accept what you have to say. They're not going to want to engage with it. He says it again and again and again. And if there's a word that I have for us today, it's this. is that you know what? People aren't going to want to hear what we have, aren't going to want to receive what we have. But we've still got to proclaim it. We've still got to say it. And don't worry about the dodgy looks. Don't worry about the patronizing remarks at the best of times of don't worry I have a Christian friend. Don't worry about the abusive ones where people will really... Cuss and go in, man. I've had some people even refuse to shake my hand. Um, that's a true story. I was speaking at a Christian CU in Warwick, and uh, one of the guys there turned up for free food. He was an atheist. When he found out, he was chatting to me the whole time. When he found out I was the guest speaker, he wouldn't shake my hand. He wouldn't speak to me. He would have nothing. Would do with me. He was done. Turned like flint, walked away. And I was like, man, I've got to say what I've got to say, and I'm going to say it. And you don't want it. You don't want it. That's cool. But you're going to hear it what well, I'm going to have to say. If you don't want to live it, that's it. We've got to be those kind of people. We've got to share what we have. We've got to give what we have regardless of it so there's this rebellious people and we're going to skip ahead straight away to Ezekiel 37 the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out in the spirit of the Lord and he set me down in the middle of the valley it was full of bones and he led me around them and behold there were very many on the surface of the valley and behold they were very dry and he said to me son of man can these bones live and I answered Lord You know, and then he said to me, prophesy over the bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter you and you shall live. And I will lay sinews upon you and will cause flesh to come upon you and cover you with skin and put breath in you and you shall live again and you shall know that I am the Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I prophesied, there was a sound, and behold, there was rattling, and the bones came together, this bone to that bone. And I looked, and behold, the sinews were on them, and the flesh had come upon them, and the skin had covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath, prophesy, son of man, say to the breath, thus says the Lord God, come, the four winds, O breathe, and breathe on these slain, that they may live So I prophesied as he commanded me, and the breath came into them, and they lived, and they stood on their feet, an exceedingly great army. Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say our bones are dried up, and our hope is lost. We are cut off. Therefore prophesy, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Behold, I will open your graves, I will raise you from your graves, O people, and I will bring you into the land of Israel, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So we have this story. And What a transition. We have a start where he encounters the greatness and the glory of God. We have a situation where God is calling him to do something that he's afraid to do, that he doesn't think is possible, that he doesn't think can be done. He lives amongst the people who have lost all hope and in the midst of losing all hope, just 37 chapters later, all of a sudden, there is life in these dry bones. There is life where there was no hope. There is a change in situation. But it only happens when people are brave, when people are fearless, and they're not afraid to speak out the truth that can bring life, can bring hope to an individual. And so today, as we encounter Ezekiel, as we look at his F64, as we look at the bars that he has to say, what he has to say to us is this. He says that there is hope. He says that in the midst of the darkest days, the heavens still open and God's vision still is proclaimed. He says that when you're afraid and you're in an environment that says, I don't want to hear what you have to say, your job is still to proclaim it because when you fearlessly keep on proclaiming it and are brave and pursuing what God has for you, it's there that you start to see dry bones in the valley come together, a new life, lives restored, made whole. Healing into the family unit, healing into people's lives, healing into people's marriages, healings into people's um, financial situations, healings into people's depression, healings into people's deepest, darkest hurts and scars from their past and their situations. That only happens when a people tap into the vision that God has for them and when they bravely proclaim what he has for us. And so we need to be a people at City Hill that with everyone we encounter, no matter how dark their story, no matter how dark their situation, we are people that unashamedly proclaim hope. And we proclaim a God who didn't tap out on a cross for us. And therefore, we should not tap out, but cling to what he has achieved for us. I'm going to end with this. But today, as I kind of pray, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to kind of pray, but kind of as Ezekiel did, And if you want to pray out loud, if you want to pray in your heart, whichever, but today we need to kind of prophesy over over ourselves, but also over our nation, over the climate we live in, because you don't get to see dry bones become flesh if you don't speak out, because that's what God had Ezekiel do. And so we need to be people that speak out, that live and breathe, speaking out who he is to those around us. Um, Father, I thank you for Ezekiel, I thank you for his words, I thank you for the hope in the hopelessness was their situation. They lived in a time that was so brutal. They had no nation. They had no identity. Men had stopped singing songs. Women had stopped singing songs. Their artistic expression was gone because they felt so hopeless, so destitute. Father God, you breathed fresh life into them. You gave them a land like you promised. You gave them their identity back. You gave them their culture, their arts, their expression, their love and you gave them hope and a future for their children where before they were devouring and eating them, Father God. That's how bleak it was. And if Ezekiel can stand in that generation, then we can be like Ezekiel and stand in our generation and stand amongst our people and amongst our nation and proclaim the goodness that you have for us. Father God, we just speak life into our own personal situations, Father. You know every single person here. You know every person that's a part of City Hill that's not even here today, Father God. You know their heartaches. You know those that aren't even at this church anymore. But have real heartaches and pains they're going through. Father God, we just speak life into them now, Father God. We speak your, your your life and your power and your healing into their lives. Those suffering bereavement, those suffering um, loss in relationships, those suffering um, financial woes and stresses that they can't sleep at night, those worried about their future, those caught up in depression, those with low self-worth, those with so many hurts and pains from their actions and from things that have been done to them even outside of their control and power we just speak life into those situations father god but most of all above everything father we ask that we would be people that would speak life into those around us that we see every single day you've told us to love our neighbor as ourself father help us to understand the neighbor is the person right in front of us at any moment in time help us to love those that we see this week and to speak hope into their situations in jesus name amen cool so that is ah, you even said amen that's awesome Elijah so that is this week that's Ezekiel done Uh, next week we'll be looking at a different prophet we'll be finding out what kind of bars he has to say and it's going to be cool but guys more than anything guys let's not let this be just a, a chat that we've had or a thing that I've said let this be a time where we go out this week and we have some fun